are back at What's the Quarantine, the unapologetic show where we discuss all things pertaining to society and culture. Sunday, the 17th of May, brings forward the International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia. And at WTQ, we want to commemorate and usher in the importance and visibility around this day with a few episodes where we explore queer experiences with some dope folks whom we think are just top tier in how they shape society around us. The International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia and Biphobia, or Idaho for short, is observed globally to raise awareness of the rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex persons, and other gender non-conforming persons worldwide. The 17th of May was chosen in 1990 to commemorate the decision to remove homosexuality from the international classification of diseases of the World Health Organization. So this is recent history, folks. Homosexuality is not a disease, nor is it a condition. Lesbians do not need to be corrected, nor do GNC or gender non-conforming individuals need to be fixed or cured. That was an excerpt from the South African Human Rights Commission. And just as a side note, you know, we should be against phobias rooted in the dehumanization of people every single day, not just the one your calendar deems as a good time to not be a dick. Okay, cool. Let's get started. Our guest is none other than Lekka Lolas, a.k.a. Lekka Holas, a.k.a. Lauren Lopesha, actor, activist, and hum extraordinaire. Let's take it away. Welcome, Lauren, to What's the Quarantine? Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for having me. It's so cool. So glad that you started this. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on the show. But tell me something. How has lockdown been for you? How have you been surviving? Have you been thriving? What's been going on? Um, I mean... It's difficult to complain when you know how little other people have in comparison to you and how people are really, really struggling during this time, um, especially people that are homeless or that are really poor or are living in communities. Um, so I'm very privileged, but it's also been really cuck. Like I've lost two jobs. Um, oh, shit. And one of my jobs that was like a really big theater job that I got, like was supposed to start the week that we started quarantining, so before oh, lockdown. Wow. And then they said, you know, due to um, COVID-19, they're going to postpone it. Um, and now we just sit, like, when will the theatres ever open up again? It's probably going to be one of the last things that opens up. Right. Um, and because work is postponed, a lot of the grants you can't get, um, like especially as actors and performers, you can't get unless the job was cancelled. So the contract isn't cancelled. The contract is postponed. So you can try and apply for some grants, but it's not really like applicable. Um, So it's been really cacked to like not have any income at all. Um, 
and I turned down like a working as crew on a film job um, a couple of weeks before I went for that, a week before I went for that audition because the audition and that would have clashed and I wouldn't have been able to go for the callback either. So, which was good because I got the job, Mm. but not good because I didn't get paid at least like two months before I booked the job and then had to wait for it to start. And then a week before it started, it got postponed. And now we're sitting in a lockdown. Mm. This Rona um, is literally taking everybody like by storm. No, the switch must go. The switch must go. But it's it's yeah, so interesting to me that, like you were saying, like it's probably you know theater is going to be the last to um, come through and and pick up again after um, this pandemic. Which because like I feel that um, as a community, as society, we often look towards. Um, artists and creatives mm. like yourself in order to like, you know, keep us sane. Um, yeah. Which is obviously a large part of why I wanted to bring you onto the show because I've been so obsessed of late with the content that you've been putting out and it's just been so amazing to me. So I really do hope that there is some light because I think I saw that the Baxter is about to be closed down or something. Yeah. So the Baxter currently doesn't have, um, they link to UCT and a big part of their funding comes from UCT and UCT has asked them to, you know, become self-funded now and that they were able to be giving funds towards the Baxter. Um, so the Baxter is asking people to like donate um, a coffee a month. So like if you bought like a, a 30 rand, 40 rand cup of coffee every month and you donated like 450 rand for the year or whatever so that they can reach let's say another 30,000 people ask everyone to donate, you know, 300 rand, then they can make up that money, I guess, something like that. And it is true, like the arts is really a place that people look to and go to, to like escape, you know. So in a time of like, where Corona is like creating all this havoc, everyone is watching series, they're sitting online, they're watching YouTube, they're watching Netflix, they're watching shows, they're watching movies. Um, they're watching people's TikToks and Instagram and those creatives are just making, but there's no money coming in. Mm. So the arts is really a place that like South Africa is just kind of thrown to the side where there isn't really grants. There isn't money given back in. Um, no one's trying to figure out like what we can do for the artists, except artists are doing it themselves. So now right. film crew are doing it for film crew. Theatres are doing it for theatres. Production companies are doing it for their production team to try and like raise money. But the government and South Africa isn't going like, you know, we know that we all we do is watch theatre and we watch your shows and we watch online content. So yeah, it's a like creative release fund. It's not the really fund is not coming. I think we probably take a lot of it for granted. Um, which is why it hasn't been, you know, at the top of the list for many South Africans. Um, we do take artists for granted. The way that artists are paid in South Africa also, it's not um, fair, I would say. I don't know the entire process, but I know there's so many struggling artists and actors and things yeah. like that. And um, compared to, obviously, like we can't compare it to the US, it's not a fair comparison. Um, yeah. But still, like, in any of the other countries, I feel like they would have 
more um, stability behind them while pursuing a career in in um, theater or um, in film. Yeah, it's just more supported, I guess. And yes. in first world countries, it's the people that you put on a platform and the, the people that you kind of look to and if, like a lot of money goes towards. Like even our festivals, if you look at our festivals, we, we get money in, but our festivals don't really support like that big. It kind of supports everyone that is already supported. Right, right. Okay, but cool. So we've got, we got a lot of things to do in Corona. At least we're creating and we have time to actually like, you know, make the things we've been talking about and try to figure out how the fuck TikTok works. I'm too old for this guy, but I'm trying. <laughs> TikTok is actually so complicated. I was you like, know? I'm going to try this also. There's different effects, then there's different backgrounds, then there's different like, you got to load the song to time it. It's like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Like you can actually pick up mad editing skills on TikTok. Yeah. So I I also downloaded TikTok recently, but I haven't gone as far as like creating an account yet. I feel like I need to be at my very, very lowest in order to make an account. (laughs) But I love um, (laughs) being the the content created on there. I think it's so creative. It's so funny. Um, So so I enjoy that aspect of it. but yeah, I agree. But it makes you procrastinate. <laughs> I can sit on there forever, forever. I find, but I find it a lot better than Instagram because Instagram, I feel, it's um, you know, it's like the glam squad on Instagram, and then TikTok, yeah. it's so much more fun. It's like the the lighter side of social media. Yeah. and a lot of people have used it. Like you know, Instagram is a lot with your branding and how you look and you look very much together. And there is some people I'm like, oh, this person is so boring. Then on yeah. TikTok, I'm like, bitch, you have a personality. Why don't you bring this to like Instagram? Because I mean, like you're not just pretty, you actually like, you're really funny on TikTok. Yeah. And like clever. But yeah, but TikTok is fun. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm struggling, but it's fun. <laughs> so, okay, so you are a co-founder with um, Fame Projects. Yes. With Kim, who we interviewed before, and who is now co-host on Quarantine. What's the Quarantine? Well done, y'all. Thank you. Um, and you, we've spoken a bit about your theater history you know you have an you have a ba in theater and performance from usct um you are don't ask how hmm? don't ask how i got that don't ask how i got <laughs> that degree <laughs> a student loan is still sitting there for anyone that's got connections with nasras help me out <laughs> but like i really commend you guys for actually finishing and like seeing it through because lord knows i started like three degrees and i haven't finished one of them <laughs> At least you started, eh? I mean, at least. So you also yeah. um, you also are a public relations officer for an NGO called Children Allowed, based in Oceanview. Is that still happening? Um, yes. Yeah. So I'm currently not the public um, relations officer at the moment. Um, I'm still like on the board and one of their members. Um, I just had too much work, and I'm actually not that great at running someone else's social media because. Um, I can't be like vulgar and rude and honest and as myself and it's very like PG. It's for children. It's um, called Children Aloud and it runs a, like an amazing baseball program in Ocean View. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is a sports ocean we've never had. Um, and the, like the children are doing so well um, and they've really come together and they go on camps and they do counseling and um, they do a lot of trauma counseling as well and family support and homework support and academic support. And we, we did like career counseling and help writing CVs and, and let motivational letters and figuring out what you're passionate about in your career, which is really important, especially for young boys. Um, and yeah, children allowed is still working very hard in Ashmu and still very much alive. And they, um, they, they kind of have a safe, it's a safe space for, for children to come after school and on weekends and to just dive into baseball. And they're really, really talented. Um, and they look amazing. Like they have this uniform and they're so cute and so passionate about it. And it's all like blue and white OB Saints. And it's, a, it's really amazing to use sports as a way of um, an in into homes and to have families come out and support and um, to use it also as counseling and then to take those children on two camps a year. Um, and everyone is like, no one gets paid. It's all volunteer work. And it's amazing people that are running it. Um, so yeah, I'm still involved there and I still help like fundraise and share stuff on social media, but I'm not the public relations um, person at the moment, um, just because it was too much to also be doing with FEM projects and constantly be applying for funding applications with FEM and trying to stay alive online. Right. And then to also run myself as a brand and be fully unemployed and have no money um, was just a bit much. But yeah, children allowed us all thriving and working really hard. They're currently doing uh, food parcels and donations to homes in Oceanview that are just not reached and don't have access to even get a grant um, and go to the shops. They have no way of getting to the shops. So they're taking food parcels out, which is awesome. Right. So <clears throat> you can tell me if you feel a bit uncomfortable with this question, but I'm going to go through with it anyway. You are obviously involved in a lot of projects and I get the sense that the work that you're doing is, is very personal in terms of the social justice work that you um, put out. Does that have anything to do with how you grew up? Like, is there a certain sense of um, maybe needing to, you know, maybe seeing what happened in your life. I don't know what happened, but is there anything that maybe happened that forces you to be so um, empathetic in the work that you put out? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was raised by a single mom with three children. Um, and my father, when he was in our life, was a very physically abusive and uh, verbally abusive and emotionally abusive alcoholic. Um, and he, you know, he kind of like hated everything that we were proud of. Like he hated our colored accents. He made fun of our bums. He um, like didn't like our hair curly. He was like every single thing was like geared towards being whiter and more Western and to speak proper and to um, be well behaved and not be vulgar and not be rude. And um I was like a rebel towards that in every single way, even as a really young child, you know, I was aggressive and I spoke with a deep voice and I had a really, really what we call so-called hum accent. Um, and I was 
hooking up with boys and with girls and doing drugs and selling drugs and um, running away from home. And I was just naughty in every single essence that I could be to get male attention, to also get attention from everyone, like mm-hmm. um, whether it was bad attention or good attention and to be like this rebel. Like I was still a really popular child and I was still um, on every sports team I could be on. I never wanted to be at home. Um, and then when I went to, when I wanted to apply to university, everyone was like, you are never going to be able to go study. Firstly, we can't afford it. Like it's known in our house, you had to go work, you know? Mm. So I was going to go work at a retail store. And I said to my mom, if I get into UCT, can I go? And she said, depends what you want to do. And I said, well, I've already auditioned um, for theater. And I think I'm, I'm going to get in because I think I'm really good. And she was like, no, you can't go study acting like you, you have to go work. And I was like, but if I work on the weekend, can I do it? And she was like, I don't think you'll get in, but whatever. And then I got in and I told her I got in and she was like, no, there's no money. So you need to go work. Then I was like, well, I'm, I'm just going to do it. And it was hectic, like to go from a home that didn't use computers or know how to use computers. We didn't really read. We weren't um, an academic home at all. Um, And I struggled and we had classes till quarter to six. And then you would rehearse or you'd work on a show. So I would take like sometimes the last train um, from town at one minute past eight to Fishuk, which is an hour long. So I would be like alone on the train. Um, and then I started working on projects till 11 o'clock at night and I had to sleep all over com- um, campus, um, like in libraries and computer rooms and in the rehearsal venues and at friends. And I it felt like I was going back to a high school of being like this rebel to just try to prove a point. Um, and a lot of bad shit happened sleeping on campus and sleeping at people and um, doing things you didn't want to do to have a place to sleep. Um, and as soon as I graduated, I started working in theater and performance and in like theater and education and just wanted to find a way of telling children that were like me, that were naughty and rebels or uh, coming from troubled homes or not having a space to be naughty or sexual or loud or provocative or aggressive um, without being punished and without being taken out of school or um, not given a chance to see what they're actually good at. Um, and then through fame, that kind of just like blossomed and became this, I never ever went to therapy. Um, and it became a way of healing for me. Like we worked on the road and traveled throughout the Western Cape to farms, to like outskirt communities that have nothing, that like our poverty and the poverty out there just didn't compare. Um, we, we were working on a healthcare train and people would sleep on a platform just to see a doctor um, or just to see a psychologist or to get medicine or to get a pair of glasses. And Kim Kelly and I were broken, like it fucked us up majorly, but it also was so much therapy for me to go into a school and have children identify with me and come to me afterwards and want to have one-on-one sessions and ask about being curious or ask about being naughty or ask about being sexually active or having an abortion or that they've just had a baby and they don't know what to do with themselves and 
um, or they've just found out that they're pregnant and, you know, how are they going to make a life for themselves? And that for me was healing to just be a facilitator and to be an educator and to just like be out there and represent like Kelly Kim and I represented gender, sexuality, people of color, like very differently to each other. You know, Kelly is very academic and um, like what society teaches us is really beautiful. She has this long curly hair and this pretty face and she's clever and she likes to read and she isn't good at sports, but she doesn't like to like, you know, uh, be wrong, but she's so free in being silly. And mm. Kim was this um, expressive, artistic, interesting um what we would see as like listen to what we would see as like white music and she was this alternative you know which we never see in really like um colored and black children don't get to be that without being made fun of yeah and i think um, like with kim also they said that they were fortunate enough to grow up in a home where they were allowed to be free and wild um which is why i guess um them and their sister are all the way that they are and and yeah. we don't like from a quote-unquote colored perspective we don't necessarily always have that freedom in our homes to express ourselves yeah. which is a lot of what you are saying mm-hmm. um and i can relate so much to your story especially like um not so much with the you know really finishing your degree and doing whatever you can <laughs> to <be. laughs> But um, more along the sides of, uh, you know, having that toxic male presence in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That, you know, my stepfather was also um, verbally abusive, not so much physically abusive, but Mm. seriously, like, tore us down mentally. And um, just also this obsession with whiteness you know he had a um he was classified as white because he looked he looked white (laughs) and um he he put that on us so I was also I was also called like a busman and a cruscorp and you know all these things and it's like well geez I'm just existing like what the fuck like why are you here then if you hate us so much and um so so i i hear you from that point of view and it's so like damaging to your psyche and i carried a lot of that with me through the years and if i didn't go to therapy i think i would have still been a piece of shit and whatever and um so with you saying that you you know once you uh, went on this journey through fame projects with your colleagues um, and I guess working through your issues with your experiences alongside these um, other folks in need who are coming through to you I guess it was maybe cathartic in that sense for you yeah 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 you're just a little bit frozen but yeah so I mean I think we all just found we found healing in them, and that's why we, even when we had no funding and no resources, we still just, even if it was one program a year or a, a camp and a program for the year, um, and if we didn't pay ourselves, we still did it because it was just so like, it was our baby and it, we knew how much it was giving and how much we were actually getting from it. So it was, it was rewarding on all ends, which is yeah. 
amazing to be a part of something so cool. I know when I got involved with you guys, I was like, whoa, what the shit is this? This is like amazing and run by, you know, people of color and stuff. And mm. it's so nice to to see that um, in our communities. And um, I always tell Kim that you guys have exposed me to such a different um spectrum of what it means to be a feminist and um and what it means to be empathetic to to those who who don't necessarily have the kind of privilege that the few of us do have so thank you so much for that but okay yeah. so enough with the sappy shit i yes. want to talk about your acting and your colleague and your friend um gabriel where you guys are doing queer things yeah <laughs> i love it i am obsessed with it do you know every time like i watch those videos i burst out laughing like from beginning to end it's just the most entertaining shit i've ever watched like in a long time like seriously it's so good so you've been wow. doing this for a while now right queer things. yeah so so before we work queer things um we Firstly, I was closeted, <laughs> and secondly, um, we were doing like small little um, video skits. Gabriel was living in LA, um, and every time they came home, we would do like a video. We did a thing called two actresses, then three actresses, then um, you know we did a short film called Lifting Nick, and we just tried to create work for ourselves. We were like, we want to be casted and we're not getting casted. We think we're funny and we can write. So we're just going to make our own shit and put it out there. Um, and we tried to do that quite a lot and it got like nowhere, but um, it was fulfilling to, to just be acting. Um, and then I think coming out for myself as queer, um, I, like I've always been queer, but I just haven't said it or uh, like I haven't told my mommy, you know. So you like a lot of it is hidden and hiding and you don't want everyone to know what you're doing. Wait, um, does your mom still not know? No, no, she does. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but a lot of my family doesn't. Um, they know it, but they've never heard me say it. Um, and they were coming out as trans. I think the two of us had like this... We're out, we're free, we fuck everyone. We, we can make our own things, we can be queer, we can be funny. Everyone's pussy, we're gonna do ourselves. I'm old now, I'm gonna be 13 too. Like, fuck it, I can make whatever I want to make now. Okay, um, so all 30 is not old. Hi, I'm 35 <laughs> this year. Okay, let's just pull the brakes. <laughs> okay, 30 is old if you are still um, hiding so much of yourself and if you're still trying to just please everybody, you know, mm. and you're not being your true self. Then mm. 30 feels old to not, like, be your honest, truest self. Um, so now I'm just like, I'm ready. I'm like, I am just, we are just out there. And it's been a lot of fun, like, to, um, to not take ourselves so seriously as actors as well. Like, a lot of actors don't want to do parodies or make guy of like act over the top just to like make fun of the situation because they don't want to be read as they can't act or um, they mock acting or, or they aren't good. serious about the craft. Yeah. Well. Or they aren't serious. And I'm like, some of the best stuff that we've gotten feedback from has been our, um, you know, the parody of love is blind and that the parody of the love Island. And we're acting like idiots and we're overacting <laughs> and we, you know, we're making fun, but, 
you you can tell that we can do an accent. You can tell that we can act. We wrote it ourselves. We cl- you can tell that we're clever. And it makes us engage with people. Like, I think that's clever. Like, if, if everyone is so big on, like, this too hot to handle. I mean, you're sleeping if you're not going to do a parody on these reality TV shows. Or if you're not going to incorporate it into your writing. Like, why the fuck not? Like, yeah. I'm not being taken serious as an actor. And I've always created my own work. And this is the type of work we want to create. Is Especially also, like, besides our parodies and, and comedies, um, our queer conversations with each other on, like, um, do you still identify as being a lesbian if you are a trans man and if you are um, sleeping with a trans man, like, or you are, um, you know, now more attracted to... Um, gay men how do you identify sexually we don't have these type of conversations online we don't see them in tv shows you're not going to see it in a netflix show or Mm -hmm. in a theater show that is um, endorsed and has money because it's too radical or too um, you know too out there and people don't know if it's going to be supported or if it's going to get a lot of backlash so we like that they will have the conversation yeah. We'll talk about the things. We'll talk about, you know, um, being poly and how complicated that is or um, how it can be toxic or toxic queer relationships that take on, like, heteronormative ways of being queer or being in a relationship um, and binaries and what they do. We are, like, we want to have those conversations and put it out there online, whether it's in comedy or whether it's a serious conversation, in our scenes and skits and just write it because... A lot of young people are looking at us and like looking at Gabriel that's like transitioning and seeing, you know, what is the truth and what's the experience and what actually happens because we don't see those in movies. Like, yeah. where is that storyline? Absolutely. And one of my favorite videos that you guys did together, um, not necessarily a queer things um, video, or maybe are the films uh, or the parodies or the film skits that you guys are doing. Um, alongside the videos that you guys put out of um, Gabriel's transitioning and stuff like that. Does that all fall under queer things or is yeah. it like a, yeah. okay. Yeah. It so, all falls under queer things. so one of my favorite videos that you guys did was um, when you administered um, one of the hormone shots to, yeah. uh, to Gabriel and, I thought it was such a brave thing to put out because I know that it's such a private thing for a lot of trans um, folks and it's, it's, it's not necessarily something that they want to talk about because it's so, Mm. I don't know. There's so many people who can say ugly things and yeah, people are ugly. Yeah. And to, um, to, to be so vulnerable, I thought was just, the most amazing thing that I've seen so far. And I just, I commend um, Gabriel on, on going on this journey. And of course, to you for being that ride or die and just like, you're so supportive. Like you are literally like little goals of how to be a supportive person um, Mm. to someone transitioning. So big ups to you for that. But like, have you guys experienced any sort of, cyber hate stuff with the work that you're doing? Um, I think for me, I mean, I get a lot of um, 
questions about like if I put out anything that's like sexual or um, even when we did like the policy and everyone wanted to know, are we dating? Are we being poly? Um, you know, and like, am I cheating? Cause I'm looking up with people in the club and I'm like, no, this is my best friend. And like, uh, I'm not cheating if I'm doing a poly relationship. That's exactly what it is. Um, but I think for Gabriel, that like people are really entitled. Like people are, they are somebody that really puts their whole tea journey on social media. And um, they share a lot, like when they went for their first doctor visits, you know, they, they shared that and, um, it was a, everything was a big deal to them, understandably so, like even changing your pronouns and asking people to use they, them pronouns and being constantly misgendered and like dead named over and over and over. And, you know, um, to be a buddy standing by and being like, hey, um, can you use they, them pronouns? Or if they, them pronouns is difficult for you, then use he, him pronouns, but don't misgender somebody mm. that is literally on hormones that you you watch their videos and you like their videos and you like in public want to say like hey I'm so proud of you but you did name or you you use you uh, she her pronouns which is kind of fucked up mm. and a lot of people do it like a spritz you can just see people are deliberate like they they want to be um they want to see the response or they ask inappropriate things like um you know, are you going to have bottom surgery or have you thought about having top surgery or like, do you get dysphoric about like having boobs? I'm like, well, if they do, why would you ask that just so like, and in public and you, you, you're not that close um, to be asking such personal questions. Like people yeah. ask like really fucked up things, you know, like how do you have sex now? And um, you what know, the fuck? have your like <laughs> genitals changed and you know, are you, you know, like, how are you identifying sexually now? And it's, what about like your wife? And there's like a, people are just really entitled and want to know a lot of information. And if they, if they don't see it on their Instagram and don't see it on what they're sharing, then there's a reason why the person's not sharing it. Right. Um, and I was also really honored to do that T-shirt video. Um, I was kind of like thrown off guard because we always do tea on a Tuesday um, and, um, they asked me if I would like to do it. And I was like, Oh my shit. Fuck. Like if I hurt you, I'd like, and they were like, well, you be, I was there the first, in, like first appointment and all the first injections and video recorded it so that they knew how to do it themselves. Um, and whenever we do it, I'm always like, remember to do those things. Like I know what steps to take, mm-hmm. but to hold an injection and a needle in someone else's body at 45 degrees correctly and keep it still and still administer it and ask questions and make sure that they are comfortable and relaxed and not going to have like a panic attack of any sort. Right. Or, it was, it was something that was really private and, and really vulnerable. And for me was like really overwhelming and I, I felt really honored to, to do it. Um, and you know, people said like, Oh, you, you don't know what you're doing and you're doing it wrong. Um, and that it's not like safe. Um, but a lot of um, our trans friends that, you know, are just like out there living their best lives are not doing it themselves. Like their partners are administering it for them um, or they are going to a nurse every single week. 
um, and not able to do it themselves because of needle phobia or because um, it's too triggering. So Gabriel is like really cool in, in doing it themselves. And I thought it was a big deal to ask like me to do it for them. Mm. Um, and I've missed like two t-shirts. Uh, like uh, during lockdown, I, uh, we did it as like a live chat um, the one week and the other week we did it over the phone um, as like a video, but it didn't record like a, almost like a Zoom conversation. Um, and it's just always been important for me to just be there because so, especially like family and people can just be cuck, you know, they can be the constant negative and ask you if you regret doing this or are you sure? And I think as like best friends, it's kind of your role to be like the hype man, you know, mm. and the hype person. Mm. And I've always tried to just keep it positive and to always say the changes that I'm seeing and to make to make it fun. Like it's an it's exciting thing. And it's also a privilege to have access to hormone replacement treatment. Not everyone is able to do it and has the access to do it and is safe enough to do it. Um, so I try to make it like light and fun and and yeah and good because it can be heavy and it can be dark and mm. it's it's sometimes they feel like you know um it's taking long for changes to come and they're still dysphoric about certain things and mm. then people ask them things and they get triggered and i just think it's important to have like a, a buddy or a partner um in it that can just like help you get out of it especially like for me um with like mental health issues it's also nice to have, to just have like a buddy when I have a breakdown to, to call on them and when they have a breakdown to call on me. But also like sometimes I don't realize that I'm, I'm on like a major low for like four days and I need that buddy to just come like, you know, take me out of it and try something else. And I think we, in today's time, especially during like lockdown and quarantining and everyone is so isolated, um, we forget to have this, connection with people um, mm. and to really, really check on each other and to, um, to look for those signs when someone is quiet um, or when someone is destructive online, that maybe something is happening and to kind of intervene or to step in or to, no one's gonna, I'm not somebody that's going to ask for help. When I am feeling like, um, you know, depressed or, or like on a high or on a really low, I don't ever ask somebody to help or, to be like, hey, I'm feeling down. I, I think I'm quite evident in how I am on social media, um, but I don't ask for help and I, I rely on my friends to see when I'm quiet or to see when I'm catching on cuck and be like, hey, Lauren, I see something's up. And I mm -hmm. do have those friends. Mm -hmm. Like Kelly and Kim, they can see immediately when something is up. You know, they're like, I see you partying every single day. I see something's up. Like, what's wrong? And you, you you're not you know, you're not working or you, you don't seem productive, like something's up and to step in. Mm. Um, and I've really had that with queer things. And it's been, as, as much as we have like a shitload of fun, we also are really supportive. And I think that comes across in the videos that we put out. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I, I think that's why you've, um, I think you've become like really popular in the last couple of months because of that ability okay. To <laughs> to be vulnerable and to um, make light of a lot of, like you say, dark moments. And 
I don't know. Is it something like with mental health and having amazing comedic timing? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really do go together. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, I, a lot of my friends are, and obviously myself, we deal with um, depression states often. And like, I, I'm not, I know I'm not the funniest person in the whole world, but I do have my moments and stuff. And then I have my friends who are like just hilarious, like online and with the videos and with this, the stuff that they talk about. But obviously in, well, not obviously, but a lot of the times, um, you know, behind closed doors, they are dealing with a lot of um, heavy shit. And it's yeah. just, it's so interesting how those two always seem to go together for some reason. They do. They really do. Um, Sometimes yeah. when I'm in my worst state, we create the funniest things. You know? <laughs> I still can't get over that video that you posted of you acting like a dolphin or a penguin or whatever it was. Coming <laughs> <laughs> in the pool. Oh, my gosh. Oh. You know, it's actually, it actually um, like I, I watch a lot of reality TV. I'm like a reality TV cop. And um, it comes from Love Island where everyone jumps in the pool um, and they call it the salmon. And it looks so easy. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm also going to do the salmon. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't get it right. You know, and I, I'm a water baby um, and I love water. I'm obsessed with water. But I can't stay on a lilo. Like, I can never stay on a lilo. Like, I'm always the person that, to, like, people will lay on a lilo with a drink and take a whole photo shoot, but I, I will drown. <laughs> I am like flipping around, falling off. Like I, I'm not that person. So I, I'm, I'm not very graceful. I didn't get that um, gene from anybody. <laughs> so I'm a mess. But I mean, people, people are seeing, um, seeing you come undone. Like, you know, especially if you are somebody that seems all together online mm. and then you release a video of you falling hard in your post. Like <laughs> people are. I agree with that. Like, just to be silly and have some fun with yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously. I think yeah. people enjoy that aspect of um, of seeing other people make a fool of themselves. And it's not necessarily just to, like, it, it's not necessarily negative. It's 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 just it's how we are. We we. You know, like, I don't know, when we were younger, somebody falls and then you point and laugh. And then yeah. It's just like, it's just one of those things. And I think you guys, like, you do that very well with each other. Um, there was something else that I wanted to ask that I totally forgot now. But, um, oh, yes. The fact that you are a reality TV buff means that you have to come on as a guest of the show when we do our reality recaps. Yes, please. I will be there. So we were, so Kim, you know, Kim is a baby reality TV buff. They yes. are just getting into it. So um. <laughs> they used to make so much fun of me. We used to go on the road and uh, we'd live in like Airbnbs and stuff. Um, and bed and breakfasts and I would be the first thing I'd do is check what channels the DSTV has to like make sure I can watch reality TV and Kim was like there is no no value in watching this lot and it is just cuck and I was like but I'm obsessed with it and I just want to know because I didn't have DSTV at home yeah and then now I'm like yeah there you duck in the bachelor duck into what to handle duck in love is blind you there in every single thing watching the yeah 
And you know what? It happened like so randomly because um, myself, Marseille, and another friend of ours, Ling, I think you know Ling. Um, yeah. Ling is Katwani. Oh my God, the best. And um, we would discuss um, Real Housewives all the time and Married to Medicine and things like that, like on Facebook. And then Kim would see these conversations and I think they felt left out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. that's literally all that we wanted oh, to well. talk about because like we're so tired. We don't want to talk about the serious stuff all the time. Like it's getting old. Yeah. And so I think Kim was like the whole tip of reality TV. Like, you know, this is nothing for your third eye, people. Like, nothing to you, okay? <laughs> but it's so, it, it is easy to get stuck into reality TV and especially in the time of Rona where, I mean, what, what you're going to do? Like, you, this, is, this is the best time to be getting stuck into it. But I definitely want you to be on the show. So you must just let us know when you have a moment. And, um, and we can, can we please discuss too hot to handle? Because it is so trashy and so problematic, but so um, captivating. And I would, if I was on that show, I would have cost the people a lot of money. Listen, so too hot to handle. I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could not say it. Was I haven't like, finished it. It was so flat for me. I won't spoil it, but it just, it started off okay, but then it just completely flatlined. And I, it felt like it was trying too hard. Um, and I don't know if it's because Netflix is like, you know, onto this whole reality thing now. So they're trying to cash in on it and stuff. But I feel like they're not, it's like, it's like, it's like SABC when they do their soapies and stuff. They're just not getting that drama in yeah. enough. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, so I just, I don't, we did discuss it, but like I told you before, the audio didn't work out so good. So we had to scrap okay. it and like re, um, record it, but then we never got the opportunity to. And okay. But if you do a recap, we, um, I think we'll do a recap with you. So, you know, you know what one you should watch? Um, it's old now, but it's just not spoken about enough. It's called um, Are You The One? And there's a queer season. Okay. Um, and it is so hot. And there's just really, really hot queer people. And non-binaries and fluid people and trans men. And Ooh, that sounds crazy. interesting. So wait, yeah. so um, do you know what season it is? I will check what season was the queer season. But it was let, great. And let it's me really know. not hype. Yeah, I will. Let me know. And then I will put on, uh, I'll put Marseille on it as well. Because Marseille is also um, our resident friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, I told Kim about it as well. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. It's like one of the only queer reality like seasons or shows that I've seen where um, queer people are just able to like be themselves and not like the one one queer person the in token, the show that, the token yeah. queer who's also yeah. black <laughs> yeah. who has to tick every box and has to like hold up the platform no. yeah okay cool so we'll definitely get into that but lauren i want to thank you so much for coming through um if you can you. just um plug us with your handles and your hashtags 
um, sure thing. I am Leka Lolas on Twitter, Leka Lolas on Instagram, um, Queer Things on YouTube, Queer Things on TikTok. Um, I have an OnlyFans page because I'm broke as fuck. So if you want to see my ass and full glory in all its glory, <laughs> um, find me on OnlyFans, uh, Leka Lolas. Um, <laughs> and yeah, support so that we can like keep creating um, the fun content. Like we shoot it ourselves, we edit ourselves, we work on it ourselves, we write it ourselves. Um, and sometimes like that's my job for, you know, like a month and I, I'm not getting paid or anything. So if people really like it, they can hit us up and they can sponsor. Maybe you want to see like a bachelor parody and sponsor, you know, sponsor that video and we can say it's sponsored by you. So people support the queer support oh my god i think i'm going to have to sponsor that <laughs> since we're doing all these um sponsored by what's the quarantine i love it i love exactly. it exactly i think we must do something like that but um yeah. are there any like last thoughts that you have anything that you'd like to maybe have the listeners know in terms of you know um moving into if you if you're sort of unsure about you know your own queer journey like do you have any words of encouragement around that um you know as as outwardly as i love i still um hide a lot of things and don't um and stop myself from you know really posting the things i want to or experimenting how i want to or telling people my truth so that they can learn. And I, I don't think we, we deserve that. I think as, as queer people, or even as just anybody, you yourself deserve to live your truest like, life and your truest self. So if there's something that you're sitting on that you know, like makes your chest feel like it's going to be crashed because the reality, you just can't even say it, Say it to yourself, write it somewhere secretly, whisper it in the mirror, tell, like, tell yourself um, your truth so that you know it. And you don't have to say it to anybody yet until you feel comfortable in yourself. And just tell yourself your own truth. Keep a diary, keep a journal, or like, talk to yourself. Or um, when you're in the shower, you know, have that time that you can just really reflect with yourself and tell yourself like your biggest secrets. Because sometimes we hold it in and we don't want anyone to know and we don't want that ever to find out and it's not actually such a big deal when I came out to myself and I came out to my best friends and then I told my mom and I told my sister it was such a like relief like I've been sleeping with everyone since a really young age like of nine years old experimenting sexually with people um and I've always been really sexual but about like this dark secret that I didn't want anyone to know um who I was actually attracted to or how I wanted to identify. And as soon as I let it go, it was like, fuck it. I mean, no one cares about that. It was me that was holding myself back and me hurting myself and me making this thing so big. So I think if you are queer or if you're bi-curious or if you think you're pansexual or if you think you're non-binary or you may be trans or you want to be fluid or you want to play around with your gender, tell yourself it first. Be honest with yourself first. Um, you owe it to yourself. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks again for Thank coming you. through. It was so I good chatting to you. <laughs>
Well, I'm glad that we can do that for you. <laughs> like the quarantine therapy session. Yes, Annie. But thank you so much. And um, I hope you do keep safe and keep doing the wonderful work that you're doing. Um, and keep us laughing. Um, I, I love it. I love your show. And give all my regards to Gabriel. And I hope that we get to see you soon on the reality aspect Yay. of our show <laughs> thank you and thank you for starting like a podcast and just having these open like honest conversations with people and having a laugh and actually just doing the shit man thank you well done thank you i mean it's like we were saying like you know there are no forces us to just put our bullshit aside and just like it forces us to be creative especially because we broke a shit so um i mean uh, I think if, if it wasn't for this pandemic, I probably would never have felt comfortable enough to even be talking to you because I think I felt a little um, like, not intimidated, but I think I saw a lot of strength in you and I felt like maybe I wasn't ready to have that kind of conversations with you, but through doing these pods with everybody else and stuff, like it's really, it's built up like, you know, um, I don't know, a, a sort of a strength in me that I'm seeing out of nowhere and it's it's playing itself out in in different ways and I'm really enjoying that so and I think it's also nice to have a, a pod where we talk about you know people of color who yeah. are doing amazing things I feel like we don't have enough of that um, and I think also growing up with radio and stuff I always found it to be so so shallow and so like um it not it's not representative at all of the things that we go through um as as humans as queer people of color as um you know older people um queer people of color as well and stuff and so um uh, i i'm i'm starting to see the value of actually doing this something that i should have done long ago but everything comes in the time that it's meant to Exactly. Oh, and yeah. I think now people have time to actually listen to these conversations. So yeah. it's a good time to be putting it out there. And you are really strong. Like you must find find the power in you because everyone can be intimidating at different parts, like in different times. But you're also hella inspiring. So Oh, yeah. thank you. All right, cool. So we'll okay, see you good. next time. Thank you so much. Yes. Keep safe during the Rona. And um, keep well, and uh, we'll chat soon again. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Adam. Oh, man. I loved that talk so much with Lauren. And if you've arrived to this point of the show, I'm going to assume that you loved it. So if you want to hear more, remember to follow us on Spotify or subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. All of this is absolutely free. So if you want more content like this, share it with your buddies, your co-workers, the family you still fuck with, everybody and their mama, Annie. We will catch you next time. Peace out.